Welcome to College Disabilities and Success, Episode 5, Breaking Barriers to College Success, by Mickey Hayes. back, I posed the question on social media, what is preventing your teen from going to college? And I looked over all of the responses that I got and some of the issues and comments that people made. And I kind of came to the conclusion that looking at the barriers that impact college can basically be divided into three groups. There's the barriers at the high school. Barriers graduating from high school, the impact of the child in high school who is just simply burned out and doesn't want to think about any more education once they graduate. The second barrier that people mentioned was frustration at a lack of supports and documentation issues and the college classroom tests and things that they have seen or expect their child to face in college. And the third barrier is basically with the disability itself. How is my disability going to impact my ability to be successful in college? These are the three barriers that I want to talk about today. The high school barrier, the college barrier, and the disability barrier. Talking about the high school barrier first, I spent 12 years as a high school teacher for kids with learning disabilities. The 12 years that I spent as a learning disability specialist left me with quite a few impressions about those high school kids. First of all, I get the burnout. I do understand that. I've seen it. I know it. I've experienced it with the students. Now, if your child just isn't going to make it to graduation, and you just don't see that happening, and that child still wants to go to college or still has plans for a future that involves college curriculum, then you need to look at possibly the GED program. You see the frustration, but you know that they really want to go to college or would be successful in college or need the trade that a vocational school or a trade school offers, but they need to have their high school diploma first. Then at that point, I think one of the best things that you could do is get them out to those sites as best as you can. I used to suggest that the students and the parents take day trips to some of the colleges just to walk around, just to get the feel of the environment. Go have lunch, meet a couple of students that are on campus, investigate the curriculum and the courses that you think would be appropriate for your plan, for your graduation plan. Talk to the student advisor. There's always a staff member there who is in charge of the student clubs and organizations, talk to that person because they always have people available, students available to do pep talks with the kids, to tell them what's out there, to tell them what's available. And it really helps if a high school student hears it from a college student. That makes a huge difference. So I would suggest reaching out to the student advisor, whoever that person happens to be at the college, and seeing if you can get your child to meet up with one of the college students and maybe take a tour with the college students. 
because that will have a huge impact. Anything that you can do to get them to that college, physically get them to the college environment so they can meet and greet and talk to people will help to build their enthusiasm for college. And it will also help to calm some of the frustration and the burnout they might be feeling in high school so that they can continue on with whatever they need to do to make it through to graduation, because that is the best possible scenario. So use the college students that are already there as your mentors, as your guides. Talk to the disability specialist at the college. That person can probably also hook you up with a student with a disability who's at the college, who has been through some of the same things that your child is going through. And those connections are priceless. They really are. And they'll make a huge, huge difference in your child's world. Now, the second barrier that happens a lot of times is at the college level. And when you get to that point, and you're at that point where it's time to look at the colleges, it's time to complete your applications, it's time to get a sense of exactly what you need at the college. If you don't initiate those conversations with the disabilities office, or if your child doesn't initiate those conversations with somebody at the college, they're going to have extra struggles when they get there. Because the biggest way to overcome that barrier is to talk to the disabilities department. Now, there's couple different areas at the college that you have to be concerned with. One is the general calendar, deadlines, due dates, policies and procedures that the college has in order to get your accommodations in place, get your child's accommodations in place. But there's also the barrier of what if you have all these ducks in a row and you did everything correctly and then that your child gets to college and wow, they're in that class for the first few days and are suddenly starting to feel very overwhelmed and kind of concerned about the amount of work that they have to face and the things that they have to do. So at that point, that goes back to preparation again because every professor in that college is going to have a plan for the way they run their class. Every professor is going to have a syllabus that they hand out to the students, and that is the governing document for the class. If your student has any problems in that class, they need to go speak to the disability services staff and find out if the problem is something they can fix, the student can fix, or if somebody has to go and talk to the teacher. Because remember, faculty understands about disability services, and they understand they have to do these accommodations, but they don't necessarily get the finer details about disability services and what's going on. And especially adjunct faculty who might be new hires really might not be completely clued into all the finer rules and regulations for that position. So the disability specialist would be the person who would, would guide you through that process. But as a parent, I strongly, strongly, strongly encourage you to sit down when your child gets that syllabus and read it together. Go through the syllabus 
step by step, word by word, and read everything that that professor has said. Think of that syllabus as a contract. If your child has any issues that they have to take to a higher power, a dean, for example, the very first question that dean is going to ask is, what does it say in the syllabus? Because the dean always wants to know up front what that teacher put in that syllabus and how the conflict that your child is having is impacted by what they did or didn't do as presented in the syllabus. So it's really, really important that you take a close look at that syllabus with your child. I've had many, many times where students would come to my office. I had some students who came every semester and sat with me for a little while, and we read through the syllabus. The student literally made an appointment to come see me to review their syllabus. And I didn't have a problem with that because when I did that, I knew that my students with a disability had a really clear understanding of what that professor expected. And I found that it really alleviated a lot of potential problems. If your child is at a college that is not quite as user friendly as that, then you and the child can sit down and discuss the problem. But take a look at the syllabus and the rules and the regulation. But then you need to have your child, you can't do it, unfortunately, you need to have your child reach out to the disability staff and to the professor about how to mitigate the problem. The most important thing you have to remember with any issues that appear in college is that when the problem happens, deal with it right away. Because I've seen way too many students put the problem on the back burner and then show up at my office at the end of the semester saying, well, I didn't pass because the professor didn't do X, Y, Z. I didn't get my testing accommodations. I didn't know I was supposed to turn in this assignment. So how was I supposed to do it? Well, when they come to me at the very end of the semester, there is not really a lot I can do to help. And they're just going to have to live with the consequences of it, unfortunately. So initial response when the problem occurs is important. Reading the syllabus ahead of time and knowing what the teacher expects is important. And then following up with the professors, with the disability staff, with the individuals who can solve that problem for the student. Now, sometimes at the college, I had students who came to me with disability issues that they didn't have documentation for. So let's talk about the disability issue as the third barrier. Sometimes when a student has a learning disability, the documentation is limited. There's always, you know, good, better, best in documentation. And sometimes the student shows up with bare minimum documentation. And sometimes the student shows up with all sorts of documentation. So you run into these good, better, best situations. So when it comes to documentation, if your child, if your child is struggling in an area that isn't covered by the documentation, have your child talk to the disability services staff and find out what type of documentation they would need to get whatever the issue is covered. Now, sometimes it's a full-blown psychological evaluation, but sometimes it's a letter from a doctor. Sometimes it's a report, but sometimes it's something that might be in 
other paperwork that the doctor has on your particular child in your particular situation. So I have found situations where I was able to offer additional accommodations because the student was able to provide additional documentation at a later date to provide those accommodations. And they didn't realize that they had the documentation at home or they didn't realize that they could get it from the doctor. And once they took care of that, then we were able to move forward with their accommodations. But you need to understand that as a disability specialist handling these kinds of situations, that if you bring in additional documentation for additional accommodations, those additional accommodations are not retroactive. When a student gets accommodations in college, those accommodations are not in effect until that accommodation form has been delivered to the professor. Now, whether it's delivered by disability staff or the student himself doesn't really matter. But the point is that documentation needs to go from the student to the professor. And if that doesn't happen, neither will that accommodation. Now, I've run into many, many college students in the past who didn't want to be accommodated in college. And that's a fine tightrope to walk. But the reality is, it's the student's call. If the student doesn't want to be accommodated in college, they don't have to take the accommodations. I had accommodation memos, we called them, or forms, that I gave to the student to take to the instructor, because that's how we did it where I was at. Now, I prepared it. I did my end of it. But if that young adult didn't hand deliver it to the professor or get it to the professor somehow, then it didn't happen. And there isn't a single thing that I could do about it because that professor did not get the accommodation forms. So sometimes there's a break in the chain of command, so to speak, and the professor doesn't always know that particular accommodations were in place if the student doesn't tell him or her. So communication is always, 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 always so very, very important. Sometimes an individual assumes that their disability is just too much, too great, a barrier. And if that is the case, then I still suggest a conversation with the Disability Services Office. If your child needs a personal care attendant at the college, they can have a personal attendant at the college if you provide it. The college will not provide it, but they can have a personal care attendant at the college. You just need to talk to the Disability Services to find out how to make that happen. I had a student who had no ability to speak, but he used a communication board, like an iPad, that spoke, and he would type in what he wanted to say and press play, and then he would have a back-and-forth communication with whoever he was talking to. I remember him in particular because he used to make jokes on it all the time with uh, my boss, and so that, that sort of stuck in my memory. But where one person sees a barrier, another person sees a way to go around that barrier. And if you can't see a way around a barrier, then it will help you to have that conversation with the disability specialist because they may have suggestions 
that you're not even aware of. I had several students with PTSD. PTSD is a difficult barrier because you just don't ever know when it's going to rear its head and show up. So we had to have accommodations arranged based on that student's need. One of the students in particular needed to sit at the in the doorway. And I, I felt bad. He said, I don't know why this is triggering my PTSD in this class, but something in there is triggering it. And he sat by the door and he could step out periodically and kind of regroup and regather his thoughts and then step back in. And that was an accommodation that was arranged through the Disability Services Office. It was not something I gave that often because it wasn't usually necessary, but when it was necessary, it made sense. So sometimes the disability specialist at the college has suggestions that you may not have thought of that could help a barrier. So those conversations are really, really important to have with the disability services office. When a student's disability is such that they cannot handle a full-time course load, one of the accommodations that the disability services staff can provide is to give them full-time status on a part-time college credit load. So in essence, the student could take nine credit hours instead of 12 credit hours or 15 credit hours and still have all the rights and merits of being a full-time student at the college. And that was an accommodation that I shared with several students. Every semester, they would come in and ask if they could have that accommodation, and they would take a part-time course load, but they would have full-time status with the benefits of being a full-time student. That doesn't mean they're going to graduate on time because they're going to be behind in the number of credits that you would normally get per year. But it's not a big deal if, if their college goes for an extra year, if it means that the college classes that they're taking are successful. But understand that your child might need to repeat a class or they might need to audit a class and not get credit for it before they take it for credit. You have to really think about your individual situation with your individual child and your child and you have those conversations up front and early with the disability specialist so that you have a plan in place and can go from there. I hope you found the insights that I gave you today valuable and that you got a little good nugget of information there. Wherever your child is having barriers, barriers to college, whether it's college, vocational school, technical school, whatever it happens to be, be sure to explore your options, see what might be beneficial to your child, talk to the disability staff, talk to their friends who have already gone to college or are going to college, siblings, guide them through some of the challenges of college. And I think you'll find that once your child gets past the initial barrier that was stopping him or her, that your child is going to blossom and grow and just learn all sorts of skills to help them in their future and to give them a strong and positive and effective future. If you get a chance, stop by my website, mickeyteaches.com. M-I-C-K-I-E teaches.com and take a look at the materials and resources that I have on the website. I have a free resource 
that you can download. It'll just download to your through your email and it will give you about 30 plus questions that you can ask when you get to college. Make sure that you know everything you need to know before that whole process gets going. And then I also have a course on there and the course that I put together is for parents of teens who are thinking about college that gives you all kinds of additional insight into heading to college and a lot of the information that you need to have when you get to college. So hopefully you'll check mickeyteaches.com and enjoy some of the resources that I have on my website. Take care and have a fantastic day. Bye. The information contained throughout this podcast has been gleaned from my own personal experiences. But to ensure accuracy, please contact the Disability Services at the college of your choice to have first-hand information and the most up-to-date policies and procedures followed by your particular institution of higher education. The content in any of these podcasts is not intended as a substitute for information from legal, educational, or medical professionals. Always seek the advice of your attorney or qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have with regards to legal, educational, or medical concerns.